Hello and welcome to Nowscast, brought to you by Nows Group, an international management consultancy. I'm your host, Ari Sharp, and in this series of Nowscast, we're looking at some of the projects we've undertaken at Nows over the past few years. You'll get to meet the clients we've worked with and the Nows consultants who supported them to meet some of their biggest challenges. Today we're heading to Ontario in Canada, where Queen's University had some bold ambitions for reconnecting with its alumni. Along the way, we'll hear about how NAUS supported Queen's to segment its database on criteria beyond just demographics, used human-centred design to understand what resonated with alumni, and developed journey maps to chart a better way to connect. Joining me from Ontario is Scott Anderson, the Executive Director of Marketing, Communications and Donor Relations in the Office of Advancement at Queen's University, and Tess Lawley, a NAUS Director in Canada who works with clients on big design challenges. Let's get into it. Scott, if I can start with you. Queen's University is a major Canadian university, part of the U15 group, and you had around 250,000 entries in your alumni database. Take us back to before this project. What challenges were you facing in building engagement with alumni? Well, we, we obviously know a lot about our uh, alumni. Um, we have a... Uh, a pretty robust uh, alumni relations team. And uh, even though we're decentralized, our faculties uh, also spend a lot of time uh, cultivating alumni. But the information we had about them or have about them uh, is primarily uh, demographic and geographic. And we have had a a tendency to really treat them as if they were uh, still students. So their their uh, faculty association is the most uh, important piece of information we have about them. And that's how we uh, how we engage them is through um, faculty news and uh, and um, but we know that that that's not the way the world works. When you leave university, uh, you you often end up in a career that has nothing to do with uh, or very little to do with the uh, the subject matter you studied at university. Um, I always use the example of my own daughter who graduated from Queens with a political studies uh, degree and getting uh, you know, a number of different promotions and she's doing her best to learn marketing as she works. Uh, she hears from the Faculty of Arts and Science and not the Smith School of Business, which actually has a lot to offer her in terms of thought leadership, uh, uh, further education. So, you know, even just knowing someone's employment or career path is uh, is is valuable. But she has a lot of interests outside of uh, outside of work as well that uh, align with many of the things that Queens is doing around music or the arts. And she doesn't hear about that either, at least not in a way that would uh, uh, engage or so uh, the challenge we have is really understanding our alumni as human beings rather than students who once attended Queens and are now out uh, fondly remembering their uh, their days at the grad pub. And Scott, so in meeting these challenges, you wanted to understand the different groups in your alumni cohort, but you wanted to go deeper than just looking at demographics. Can you tell us what you were seeking? Yeah, we are trying to understand uh, the psychographic profile of our uh, our alumni. We want to know what they're interested in. We want to know what motivates them, what uh, what 
gets them going so that we can engage them around those those issues and those uh, interests. Uh, you know, you mentioned Queens is a you know prominent university. There is an awful lot going on at Queens and uh, through Queens in in the broader world in terms of impact and ac- across a gamut of uh, of subject areas. So there's a lot for us to filter uh, to our alumni, but we need to understand who among our alumni is going to uh, react to what content, what programs, what communications. And uh, so that's really what we set out to do. Tess, if I can bring you in here, you're a specialist in human-centred design. Just what is HCD and how did you use it to help Queen's University to better collect, connect with its alumni? Human-centred design, and some people might know it as design thinking, it, it goes by a few different names and it now we refer to it as human-centred design or HCD, is a method of solving business problems that puts the user Um, which might be a customer or a client, or in the case of our work with Queen's, it was the alumni, um, really at the centre of your research and also your design. So instead of us as expert consultants or designers or even a business itself uh, deciding on the solution for a problem, we try to blend that expertise with research with your users or or the customer or, or the alumni in this case to come up with a solution that works for both and that sort of ticks all the boxes. In our work with Queen's, We used NAUS's HCD user research methodology to really deepen that understanding that the university has around its alumni. And so, as Scott spoke to, Queen's wanted to know what motivates alumni and what their interests are. And you only really get that by understanding your alumni as humans. So human-centred design becomes a really good methodology to, to be able to achieve that. And so, Queen's had this has this fantastic alumni database and we love good data in human-centered design, but it wasn't giving the advancement teams exactly what they needed to understand the humans that are in the alumni base. And you found multiple ways to connect with alumni to understand how they thought about things. Can you tell us about the engagement that you had with them? Certainly, because this is one of my favorite things to talk about. So I'm happy to to go on about this for as long as you need me to, Ari. On this project, we used this really effective uh, human-centered design research method where we combine quantitative and qualitative research and analysis. So our first step was to analyze the alumni database and start looking for trends and the kind of attributes that might influence behavior in the alumni group. And so um, to use an example, Uh, One of the data pieces we looked at was the level of engagement with the university. So how consistently are some alumni responding to surveys or attending events or even volunteering with the university um, and donating as well? And we were able to use that demographic data to understand trends like at what age does an alumni normally start donating or at what age do do alumni start uh, volunteering? After that quantitative analysis, we then went really deep on qualitative engagement. So we did a whole heap of interviews um, and focus groups, and I and I think we ended up at just over 50 alumni and staff who we engaged with really deeply. And we used that process to really understand the why behind the trends that we were seeing in the data. Tess, you mentioned one of the themes that emerged from the consultations. I understand that you came up with five in total. Can you tell us what they were and then how did you use them? There were five themes that uh, emerged and each of those themes became the basis of an individual persona. 
Uh, and then we took that persona through and started building out a common journey or a, a user journey and storyline for them. Um, our five themes were uh, Queen's Champions, the alumni who really believe in the university and they advocate for it wherever they go. Scott's team knows these folks really well. These are the champions who engage with the university very regularly. Um, there was the theme of nostalgia for alumni who really sort of long for the days that they were at Queen's. And we found that it wasn't just longing for the past, it was wanting Queen's students today to have the same great experience that they'd had. So there was a, a kind of a present and a future application to that idea of nostalgia as well. The third theme was around really demanding lifestyles. So alumni who have priorities other than Queen's and limited time to engage with the university. And they were a great group to engage with because even though because their time is limited in how they engage with the university, we didn't have a lot of information on their motivations or their attitudes. And so by using this human-centered approach, we were able to really learn more about what they thought and felt, even though they don't you know, necessarily call up the university semi-regularly. Our fourth theme was about change and impact, and alumni who are interested in the impact that Queen's has on the world. Um, and our fifth theme was around philanthropy. And a, and a group of alumni who habitually give to charities. And one of the charities on that list may or may not be Queen's. And so for all of these groups, we were able to um, not just identify these themes that were strong for the alumni group. And so for that sort of particular um, population group that Queen's is really interested in, but we were able to then validate these themes um, at a larger scale. So first we validated them with the advancement staff who work directly with alumni, so they know these folks really well. And many of those advancement staff are also Queen's alumni, so they were bringing their own experience to our conversations as well. And I remember in that session we had a whole heap of nodding heads and lots of people mouthing, you know, yes, absolutely, in the video chat. So we knew that we were we were onto, in, onto something good with these themes. And then we used an alumni survey uh, to actually validate those themes at scale. And we could get to the point where we were able to say um, with, with good clarity for the whole alumni base, about 19% of Queen's alumni identify most strongly with this idea of being a Queen's champion to understand the alumni base as a whole. So we were really pleased with the results of, of all of these engagements where we were able to validate these themes because they really resonated strongly with the alumni and it gave Queen's staff some insights really quite immediately into alumni groups who they don't engage with every day or every week. So some of those staff who were sitting there saying, yeah, I absolutely know the Queen's champion, but I do want to know more about these philanthropists or these, or these folks who are really focused on change and impact. It sort of allowed us to even before the end of the project, engage with those staff and really start them thinking about the different motivations and attitudes that exist with the alumni they work with. I, I would jump in and and just add that the way we we describe the themes, the way we framed them, allowed us to really reframe the thinking we did around our alumni. And I'll, I'll use one example: uh, the nostalgics. What at the beginning we were calling them the nostalgics. And, uh, you know, they they want the students to have the same experience they had in the 70s and 80s. Well, universities have evolved since those times and many of the traditions that were in place then just are not considered um, good practice or acceptable in today's age. But 
by reframing that group of people and calling them the guardians, we were able to to really look at it in a positive way. These are the folks who are really trying to protect the the life force of Queens, the thing, the special sauce, the thing that makes us attractive to students and and helps us to create a, a, a future generation of people with nostalgia for their days at, at Queens. So when we started thinking about it that way, um, you know, it became clear to us that what we have to do with the guardians is really help them understand that there are new traditions and help them mourn the traditions that we have to give up because they're just no longer um, part of good public life. Um, so that was to me, one of the most useful aspects of this, uh, framing all of these groups in a positive way so that we can understand how to engage them uh, going forward to to get the most out of our relationship with them. Scott, one product that emerged from the consultation were journey maps, which showed the experience from the alumni's point of view. What was the value in the journey maps for your team? Well, we're still we're still uh, uncovering the value of the journey maps, but from from early on, it was clear that we were going to be able to understand how our engagement works from the alumni perspective rather than the institutional perspective. It's easy in a large institution to forget that we really have to be uh, driven by our our clients, our in this case, our alumni. Um, it's easy to put the institutional needs ahead of the uh, of the needs of of our alumni in in a, broadly speaking and what the journey maps allow us to do is really understand how they're connecting with the university from their perspective and where it's working and where there are pain points that we should uh, address and and try to improve and my hope is that it helps us move away from as much as we possibly can from this institutional view of our alumni as engineering grads or uh, business grads or arts and science grads, health sciences, education, whichever uh, part of the university they came out of and uh, understand how they're connecting with us as business people or marketers or artists, uh, you know, whatever, and, and parents and, you know, busy people. Uh, how are, what does that journey look like now? I think that's the, the real benefit for us is trying to reframe the way we uh, view the relationship that we have with our alumni with real information in real time. Tess, if I can bring you back in, you, you produced a, an implementation plan that drew on NASA's seven levers for culture change. Can you tell us about the seven levers and what they meant for Queens? Yeah, certainly. The hardest part of implementing products like personas and journey maps is actually changing the mindset of the people who will use them and who will benefit most from them in an, in an organisation. So throughout this work, we think very deeply about the staff experience here because if you imagine yourself as... Um, someone working with alumni in a particular faculty at, at Queen's, um, you as the staff member probably identify most with that faculty. That's where you sort of align yourself. However, to, to Scott's point, if you're an alumni who hasn't had anything to do with your faculty for about 10 years, you don't align yourself with the faculty. So what it then requires of those staff members is to 
put themselves in the shoes of the alumni and think beyond the sort of alignment that they have as a staff member to really kind of take an alumni-centred approach. And so that's really a mindset shift that you have to have in the in the organisation um, in order to make the most of the personas and journey maps. And so we use the seven levers of culture change to brainstorm and to kind of put a, a, a little bit of structure around all of the different ideas that would make it really easy for those staff members to think, okay, I'm going to think in a really alumni-centred way as I design this event or write this communication or whatever's on their to-do list that day. And so we uh, collaborated with the staff, with the actual users on the implementation plan and staff brought up ideas like we want to use the database differently, we want some of this attitude and interest data in that database, um, we want to pilot these products in one area and then sort of scale it up and what would be the first step in that. And even things like what are the what are the practical additions to these products that would make it really easy for a staff member to use like checklists and practical tools. And so after taking um, all of those ideas that were sort of grouped around seven levers of, of mindset or culture change in an organisation, we were then able to map those against a maturity model uh, for Queen's take the university from using the personas and journey maps in sort of like a pilot or in a sort of discrete piece of work to sort of map out over time what would it look like to really embed these products and embed alumni-centred thinking um, in everything that Advancement does and everything that Queen's does more broadly. Tess, we know that no project is ever smooth sailing the whole way through. Can you tell us what challenges did you encounter and what did you do? This one I'm delighted to say was actually pretty smooth sailing. <laughs> I'm happy to report. Uh, more seriously, if I think about the success of this project, the biggest challenge in this work is usually stakeholder engagement in the business or in, in the university, especially in big complex organisations like a university. And we were extremely lucky to have a PM on uh, the Queen side, Josh Adler, who did a huge amount of stakeholder management. Um, and so after every workshop we did, Josh would approach stakeholders, get feedback, bring that back to our team so that we could make our next engagement even better. Um, and it meant that by the time we got to the, um, designing the products and kind of our, our final presentation as a consulting team, staff were absolutely bought in. People were saying, when will we have this? Can I look at it now? Like, when will you send this to me? Um, and we were able to um, allow Scott and Josh and the team to hit the ground running with the products, which was great. And I would add, and now this is not paying me to say this or at all, I've worked with a lot of agencies and outside contractors over decades. And I think this was one of the, uh, uh, the very best uh, relationships that we've had with, a, uh, with an agency. Um, I was really impressed with how smoothly it did go because that's not often the case. That's really encouraging to hear. Uh, Scott, if I can give the last word to you, having gone through this experience, what advice would you give to other universities looking for better ways to build relationships with their alumni network? Well, I think, I think you know, trying to forget what you think you know and start with fresh eyes to really understand your alumni from their perspective and also the institution's perspective and really just to try to build a culture that is willing to experiment with uh, with the ways that we engage alumni and i think 
in our case, the personas and journey maps are going to help us do that. Uh, we're piloting with the, you know, uh, a few of our faculties and, uh, and departments within advancement to uh, really roll this out slowly, which would be my other piece of advice. Don't don't just throw this out and expect people to be able to use it so that we can uh, demonstrate not only best practice, but successes and then roll those out to our, our broader community so that we can uh, establish a a really professional way of using the personas and journey maps to build programs, to build communications, to build uh, broader alumni engagement. And my hope is that ultimately as, uh, you know, technologies improve, we will start to be able to use artificial intelligence to, um, to really, and, and other data to really build on these personas and refine them to the point where we're, we're coming very close to uh, individualized, personalized uh, programming and communications. Scott Anderson and Tess Lawley, thanks so much for talking to NASCAST. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us, Ari. That was Scott Anderson from Queen's University and Tess Lawley from NAS Group. You can connect with Tess via the NAUS website. That's www.nausgroup.com. While you're there, check out our case studies and thought leadership insights. That's it for this edition of NAUScast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll catch you next time.